Hello, and welcome to season two of Eyewitness Beauty, the podcast where we talk about the biggest stories in the beauty industry now each week, but we haven't for the past few weeks. I am always Nick Axelrod Welk, and I'm joined, as always, by Miss Diamond Creek Bomb herself. That's me. Annie, season two. Yeah, what a season we had. No, we should call it actually Cycle. You know how they did on America's Next Top Model so they could just like do more than one a year? Like this is our actually not season two, it's Cycle two. Mm. You know what I mean? So then we can just be on Cycle three in a few months. Well, I don't know. I like the joke that a season is a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, yeah. No, okay. Well, we we can figure that part out later. But I feel like we should address the elephant in the room. So rude, Nick. This is what I'm talking about when I say that Nick bullies me. Do you know what it is? <laughs> what? The Sex in the City reboot. Oh, yeah, you love that. You, well, you hated it, and then you loved it. I mean, I hated it. and I Get mean, it that's, out. Well, I feel like at this point, it's like cheesy to say Che Diaz is an annoying character. Who? You know I don't watch it. Oh, my God. I don't even know where to begin. So there's a writer named Candace Bushnell who in the 90s, <laughs> so the reboot is like seven episodes in now. I think the finale might be this or the next one. Miranda has told Steve that she wants to get a divorce because she is in love with a non-binary podcast host named Che Diaz, played by Sada Ramirez. And this character, have you not seen the memes or anything? No, but I was thinking, do you want to start a hype house for podcasters? <laughs> okay, well, I, let's circle back to that because I do. But Che Diaz has the internet uh, a flutter because they are the most annoying character to ever have appeared on television. It's like, you know, central casting's version of a non-binary podcast host who's also like a comedian. <laughs> I'm seeing a fade haircut. Yes, They have a fade haircut, (laughs) they wear sweatpants, and they're always tagged on, like, the Sex and the City costumes Instagrams, and it's like, no one's asking what free people sweatpants Che Diaz is wearing. Anyway, I have a love-hate relationship with the show because I love the characters, they mean a lot to me, I, like, grew up watching the show, and I still like seeing them. The first episode really got me down, and then by, like, the second episode, the emotion was pulling me in. I heard from a non-reliable source that Samantha's coming back for season two. So you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. I find that very hard to believe because it seems like bridges have been charred to a crisp between her and Sarah Jessica Parker. But anyway, I, it's like I'm talking, I can might as well just talk to my therapist about this because you don't watch the show. It doesn't mean anything to you. Does your therapist watch the show? No, but he doesn't engage me in conversation either. He just listens. I get it. Okay. So DM me personally, clearly not on the eyewitness Instagram, if you would like to talk about Sex and the City. What I'm offended by and what I've actually, my whole mission in sort of the lead up to the show had been was to be like a Patricia Field truther, uh, the costume designer Patricia Field, who also used to own a store in New York that was amazing. It was on West Broadway, and then it was on the Bowery. I think it closed. Anyway, she was the original costume designer, who I think is the most genius costume designer and stylist in like the history of the world. She did the Devil Wears Prada movie. 
She also did Ugly Betty, which had incredible costumes. And she's doing Emily in Paris. So she was unable, quote unquote, to do the costumes for Sex and the City reboot. So they got her former like assistant, her like partner in crime on the show, but who had never done it herself to lead costumes on the reboot. And they're bad. Aww. Like the, there's like a very, I don't want to say je ne sais quoi, <laughs> but, but I'm going to say, yeah, but it's, a, there's like a je ne sais quoi about the way that Pat Field puts clothes together that is so singular and so unbelievably unique that it's not just like putting crazy shit together. Anyone can do that. And what Pat does makes it chic. So right now I just, I'm watching like shit be thrown together there's not one good outfit that you've seen so far. I mean, it, no, it's missing that je ne sais quoi, which is like the thing that Pat was able to do. You know, it's not just about designer. It's not just about high-low. Like all the things that you could just describe it as is the sum is greater than the parts in this case. I think to me, like that was a lot of the heart and soul of the show was the clothes and Carrie's style. And to me, that's the hardest part to watch. It's like uh, nouveau riche, you know, like rich people who just think that wearing a lot of designer labels is style, but that's not style. That's just money. In contrast, I've been keeping up with the Succession outfit Instagram. Oh, I've never watched that. Nick, really? It, is it, it feels really like it's, is every episode two and a half hours? No, 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 no. And if it is, it goes by like that. I think it's like 50 minutes. First of all, it's great. You know, disgustingly wealthy, this family. They own like a huge media company. And the outfits that they wear are like old money, rich people clothes. And Mm -hmm. they like, it's so subtle. It's that brand. What's the Actress. Lorna. Laura Piano. Yeah. (laughs) It's all that. And it's all like really bad. That's cool. Suits and like really expensive glasses. But, like, everything is, like, really thick cashmere and, like, perfectly quaffed. Yeah, and and then, like, the girlfriend of one of the brothers that doesn't come from money is always wearing, like, Alice and Olivia. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, like, very intentional. Oh, yeah. But it's so, it's so good. That feels, like, intelligent. I guess maybe that's it. Like, Pat Field styling on Sex and the City to me was very smart. It was a part of the story more. Yeah, it was a part of the story. And this is like trying to be a part of the story, but you can't. It's like once you're trying, you've already lost. Like, can I give you one example? Of course. There is a backpack featured, I would say, prominently on the show. Miranda's storyline is that she stopped being a lawyer to go back to school to get a graduate degree in like human rights. So she has a backpack because that's how you would show that she is a student again. And okay, it's Miranda. You know, it's not Carrie, it's not Charlotte, it's not Samantha, it's Miranda. Mm -hmm. If you were the stylist of Sex and the City, what backpack would you put Miranda in? Miranda's the one with the red hair, right? Mm Mm-hmm. She's definitely, like, to me. (laughs) Ooh, interesting. She, like, doesn't care. Okay, well, it's a Shinola backpack. Oh, that's so lame. (laughs) And it's just, like, that's so lame. I don't think Miranda would have a to me backpack. I think that in the world of Pat Field, where even Miranda looked phenomenal in the Sex and the City movies, they definitely upped her style game. It would be some sort of, like amazing drawstring, even like a a cool like coach collaboration backpack. I don't know, something that like had a little bit more style than like a tan. But isn't she all about like practicality? No, but she had style too. It was just more like she was a chic lawyer who was kind of nerdy. But then on the movies, she was wearing like great like jewel tones and like big earrings. And, you know, she has gray hair, which they've talked about in the show now. And I think there's just a way and the way is not Shinola. 
No, she wouldn't be wearing Shinola. No. What else is going on besides HBO? Um, the Hype House. We could circle back to that. If you want to feel depressed about the future, what? watch Hype House on Netflix. Oh, there's a show now? Oh, I thought that's what you were referencing. There's no, a documentary we, we series about that came out. Hype House is on, on this show. Yeah, but there also is now a Netflix series called Hype House that is about the people who live in the Hype House. And the thing I think about a lot is, will my daughter grow up in a world where, like on career day, some kids are going to come in and have done research on being an influencer, like as if that's like a job? Yeah. There's people that are our age that think that that is a real job. Oh, no. I mean, (laughs) I'm not saying you can't make money like doing it and that it's not like real work because I think it is. But I... I think it's a house of cards. There's not longevity in it. And I just like would worry about anyone who like, can you, do you think in the future you could like major in influencing in college? But I think also higher education is going to look very different. I know. Anyway, the hype house on Netflix. What else did you do? What did you do over winter break? Casey got COVID for the second time. It was like almost like he had to anniversary it. So we relaunched COVID conveniently like two days before Christmas. And so... He lived upstairs and Evie and I lived downstairs and isolated for 10 days, which took us through New Year's, through Evie's first Christmas. We didn't see anyone (laughs) and it was really, really dark. And I'm excited that this Friday I have my first ketamine thing. So I signed up for this company's program. The company's called Mindbloom. You know, it's one of those companies you see on Instagram ads or Facebook ads. It's Teladoc. You get a prescription for ketamine. You take it and... You're getting targeted with ketamine on Instagram? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Incredible. It's like ketamine and Adderall. (laughs) The devil works hard, but Mark Zuckerberg works harder. I get the lamest stuff. I get like printed blouses. Are you kidding? It's like just pills like (laughs) falling from the sky on my (laughs) Facebook feed. But anyway, so... You like do an intake and then you're assigned a like journey leader and you like check in with them before <laughs> your experience and then after your experience. So you don't and go to a clinic to do it. You no, do this home. is not IV infusion ketamine. This is a lozenge, I guess, that you dissolve under your tongue and you have to keep your saliva in your mouth for 10 minutes and then you spit it out. You don't drink it or swallow it. Oh, wow. That seems like I could go wrong. And then it, it lasts about 30 minutes and... I'll follow up next week with my experience. I have to say, like, ketamine is not interesting to me to do recreationally. Well, this is not recreational, sweetie. Oh, we should also talk about the other elephant in the room. We got our first highly negative Nick review on Apple Podcasts. I don't think it was the first. but (laughs) It was like, I had to turn this off. This guy was so condescending. (laughs) I feel seen. (laughs) <laughs> I I feel misunderstood. But I feel like the people that get me are not the people the that people comment. people that get you what? The people that, like, agree with my point of view are not the people that, like, leave comments on the internet. Mm. I think they have too much going on in their lives. I disagree. I think that they're very successful. You're, like, literally <laughs> trying to convince people not to, like, rate you positively on Apple Podcasts. They're not rating me. They rate this show. Right. But, you know, name-checking you. I think that the people who follow you and love you are wonderful, smart, 
and engaged individuals who love to leave reviews and also star and share Eyewitness Beauty. Yet we digress. So what, did that have a lasting effect on you? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Is that why you're doing the ketamine? <laughs> no, the ketamine was actually the end of the having a very dark holiday break story. So I am getting out of the funk. And then I launched the new brand that I've been working on for the last like year and a half yesterday, which will be three days ago when this episode goes live, called Home Court. It's founded by Courtney Cox, and our idea was to create beauty products for the home and really take boring and gross formulas for dish soap and counter spray and a lot of other stuff we have in the pipeline and give the products attention and love. And we used a skincare chemist to create all the formulas from the bottom up. We worked with some amazing perfumers that I knew and developed our four fragrances that are inspired and as good I as... I love the Moroccan mint. I know. They're as good as like some of my favorite and Courtney's signature fragrances. And it's been a lot of work and a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak. But we sold out on the first day. And so yeah. it was insane. It exceeded our wildest expectations. And the CEO's name is Sarah And she and I work incredibly well together and it's been like a joy and working with Courtney has been an absolute joy. She has the most incredible taste and she may or may not be coming on the podcast very soon. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's been, I mean, you've seen, we've, you've seen like the making of, but it's been. Yes. We did very... not keep this church and state as much as we did my brand. Because unless you come out with a dish soap brand, in which case... Let's take this offline. Let's take this offline. (laughs) (laughs) What about you? You were in Mexico. Yeah, I went to Mexico to see some friends. Um, I've traveled around with my friend Katie. We always try to go somewhere every year together. And yeah, we went to a small town that we'd never been to before. But then we went back to Mexico City and had an incredible time, as always. It's my favorite place to go. It really is amazing. You know what the one thing that we have had that's been the warm embrace that we needed, like through COVID, through all of this stuff? What, free beauty products? <laughs> uh, I was just to say beauty. Beauty, beauty in news, general. Beauty goss, hot goss. Hot beauty goss. I think like the industry beauty, kind of took yeah. a little nap while Eyewitness Beauty was <laughs> on hiatus. <laughs> they knew that they could go dark for a little bit because they didn't have us to kind of keep them on their toes. If they or were smart, if they, were smart they should have done like really crazy shit while we were on hiatus. And then because we can't cover it all in this episode. No, but we're going to try. Let's do it. Well, this comes from our readers, our hawk-eyed Eyewitness Beauty readers. What do we say? Experts on the ground. That is you, our readers. Squims looks like it's a reality. Now run Squims over us one more time for the people in the back. Well, this also just in Skims, which is the parent company of Squims. Which still is not called Squims, but you're not accepting that. <laughs> it is called Squims. <laughs> it shall from here forth be called Squims. You know, Skims <laughs> is Kim Kardashian's shapewear line, which the breaking news that I was about to share is that they are now valued at $3.2 billion dollars. 
incredible. Like I've always said, this is the most genius brand that's ever come out of the Kardashian universe. So she's finally launching Squims, which is what I predicted to be her swimwear line because naturally if you're making great fitting underwear that everybody loves, then it's not that hard to like choose the thicker nylon elastic fabric and make it into swimwear. We've had people send photos of Kim doing a photo shoot on the beach wearing what appears to be Squims. So, you know, spring 2022, let's get ready. Speaking of the Kardashian universe, former Kardashian hairstylist, a.k.a. Jen Atkin, her brand Way, which I feel like launched kind of in the wake of Glossier, like maybe a couple years later. Yeah, I remember when it launched and I was still there. Just sold, or I guess <laughs> during a hiatus, sold the company to Procter & Gamble for an undisclosed amount, but that's a serious strategic acquirer, so the business must be serious too. I've never used the products because I don't really feel like they apply to me, but have you ever tried Way? I can't remember. I'm, maybe like around launch, I use the shampoo, but I'm so diehard to the hair products that work for me. Hair products are not something I like switch up a lot. She did it by Rado collaborations. Oh, yeah, you had a real problem with that. <laughs> I remember now. <laughs> I know I was upset about that one, but back in the day, she did a collaboration with Virgil Abloh from Off-White, RIP. Wasn't that the pills? She I remember when she also released hair vitamins, yeah. but I think that they like... And then quickly had to Yeah, I think they weren't actually them. like FDA like cleared. They weren't so kosher, <laughs> yeah. But she did some cool, smart stuff. And I mean, that's an impressive feat to like build that company and sell it to Procter & Gamble. So props. Speaking of the little engines that could... Indie brands Fenty Beauty and (laughs) Chanel Beauty expanded into Ulta stores. Which is so weird to me. Did we talk about how Drunk Elephant is also an Ulta Oh, I didn't know that. Not really a one-to-one, but Drunk Elephant was kind of the first like hero brand that Sephora really incubated that did not come out of Kindo. So they were really an indie brand and then Sephora like really invested in blowing them up and then I don't know if it is a bite the hand that feeds you type of situation, but they did go into Ulta last year, which was a huge coup for Ulta in my mind. Because Ulta and Sephora have always been kind of neck and neck. I think not really to us consumers, but at least within those companies, those corporations, they're always the biggest competitors. If you were an exclusive in Sephora, you couldn't be in Ulta and vice versa. Right. What, you know, is interesting is that Fenty Beauty, which is a Kendo brand, Kendo Brands is owned by this company that owns Sephora. So you would think they would be a Sephora exclusive until the end of time. Correct. And apparently not. I think it's smart. Do you remember with Into the Gloss, like when we would try to convince advertisers that we were working with that it didn't matter if we used competitive brands, it actually made the... In the content. Yeah, it made the content more successful. Yeah, so I'm sure people have kind of realized this, but it could be really annoying as a reporter or editor on Into the Gloss or any beauty site when you would have like an influencer or the face of a brand, like Gigi Hadid was like the face of Maybelline. And the interview was through Maybelline because what the brand does is they pitch, you know, the face to the media outlets to do a story talking about how great Maybelline is, but we were always like, no, the content will do way better if you let her talk about other brands. So anyway, that's the not so exciting backstory there. Right. But the point just being that like to consumers, it feels authentic and Mm -hmm. makes people more inclined to believe the communication if there is competition in the narrative. I sort of thought like, okay, maybe Ulta and Sephora sort of understanding that 
you just want to get the product in the hand of the consumer who wants it and you meet them where they are. I think we would say like Ulta is more like suburban drive up, like strip mall type of location versus Sephora is in the mall. So it's actually very different types of customers and like consumer behaviors. Though now it's also getting blurred because Sephora is doing their whole, which one's in Target versus? Ulta's in Target. Ulta's in Target. Sephora's in Kohl's. Sephora's is in Kohl's now, yeah. Yeah. The stop and shops. Yeah, we're like blurring the lines. I think it's good for brands. It's good for consumers. I don't think it's good for brands. You lose so much control. More distribution? Yeah. I I just mean like in terms of not having to choose one or the other. I've been thinking a lot about, especially new brands where you're still establishing yourself and you can't, having a one-to-one connection with your consumer, the old way was like, we have to only be D to C because we want that, we want to control that relationship at every touch point with our consumer and like get to know them and get all their data. So if you go into a retailer, you lose that connection immediately. Because they're filtering what you find out about your customer. Yeah. And you lose control of how your brand's represented and like their marketing materials and in their stores and blah, blah, blah. So But the craziest thing that's happened is now Chanel is in Ulta and not just their fragrances, but like their cosmetics and skincare. I think it's about the bottom line, right? Like I think that what brands are starting to understand is that distribution is distribution. And like maybe it's also the way in which social media has become more and more and more powerful. So I think like in the early days of D2C brands, yes, Facebook was important. And certainly Facebook advertising was pennies to the dollar than it, you know, compared to what it is now. But Instagram was in its infancy when like, you know, Warby Parker, Harry's or these brands, you know, were launching. And I think that now that you can start the relationship and keep the relationship, if you have a very strong Mm -hmm. social media presence, maybe brands are a little bit more inclined to open the floodgates for distribution because they can still maintain that relationship on social. You're right, though, in terms of data and all sort of and that sort of stuff, they those obstacles still remain. But I don't know, because otherwise, I don't you know, if you're not getting email addresses, you're not, you know, increasing your D2C business, which also, not to get too technical, but this is actually not technical at all. If you sell at a third-party retailer, you're giving sometimes over half of the profit to the retailer. So you're giving away a lot for the distribution, but you're getting a much wider distribution than you could ever get before. But I don't know, if you're not getting the email addresses, I don't know what, I don't even know. I just spun myself into a, a knot. It's, it's, times they are changing. Should we talk about the pink elephant in the room? Yeah. Well, as of this morning, Thursday, January 27th, there's all these news stories. I'm getting all these texts about Glossier laying off a third of its corporate employees. It's a huge company, by the way. A third of their employees is 80 people. And they're mostly in tech because, Nick, you were saying that they're investing way more in retail. We were talking offline about this, and my initial reaction was, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because ultimately it's a website to buy products. And I think, you know, when it first launched, there was probably a lot more conversations, a lot more action around, like, what else can the website do? But ultimately it's, you know, a add to cart, check out, leave review situation. And I think they've seen the potential in physical retail, brick and mortar, opening up stores, creating buzz and marketing and sales that way. So they probably are like, well, we just need to have a great 
e-commerce experience and we don't need as much tech innovation as maybe we thought we did. And so I, it didn't seem like a red flag about the health of the business. I mean, anytime anyone gets laid off, it's unfortunate and it sucks. And I'm sure no one at the company wanted to do that. Well, I think it's confusing too, as like a founder, an exec team at a startup that raises a ton of money because all the conversations suddenly become about scale, 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 scale. How do we scale this? And like, when you think about scaling something, quote unquote, efficiently, you think, how many people can I reach online digitally? You don't think about like physical yep. retail. Everybody thought physical retail shopping was dead and everybody was just going to be like blinking at their Instagram to add to cart and they would see it at their door the next day. And that's actually not how shopping yeah. happens. You know what we're seeing? A return to the real. I think what the problem is when you talk about scaling. People are humans. People, we're not robots. They like to shop as a hobby. They like to wander around and like yeah. waste time. They like to like actually be off their phones. and. No, I like to be on my phone, but doing those things. I don't. I'll go into Sephora and leave my phone in my pocket for like an hour. Just walk around. It's so refreshing. It's just like heavenly. No, I agree. I think that there is... I don't know. I, I'm making baby cashmere beanies for fun and I'm selling them on Instagram. I like doing it because this manufacturer that I use is actually a program run by a nonprofit called Alternatives for Girls. And they help women who are at risk of domestic violence and homelessness gain skills. And knitting and sewing is one of the skills that they work with women on. And I'm helping employ, in some ways, these women. I'm like making cozy beanies for kids that are different, that are handmade, that are each different. Like the, the idea of like the return to like something slow versus like how can we reduce cost of goods and scale efficiency, you know, like, and, and basically lower. like, <laughs> yeah, and like all that shit, which like, you know, I do in my professional life. It's been refreshing to kind of think inversely in my like little side project and I think that probably speaks to like a greater trend, right? It's fun when a store creates so much excitement that you like want to wait online for it, that, you know, like there is something to see or to try things, to swatch things on your hand, like all this digital makeup swatching that we thought was going to like, I think that's in a nutshell what we can say about the Glossier thing. I bet they had like a huge team working on like digital swatching and like choose your foundation based on like a FaceTime video. And then they were like, oh, wait, we don't need to build that technology because we just need to build stores. Yeah. And stores like also like double as like incredible brand marketing. If you design it the right way, there's sets where like your fandom can come in and create content and spread the word, which is very much how Glossier stores work. Disclosure, we have both been affiliated with that brand. However, everything we just said does not represent any actual knowledge Yes, it does. Of the situation. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> no, no, not actual no knowledge of why the, these people were oh, fired. I don't think we said anything that isn't already out there. No, I'm just saying like that was our analysis. That was not any based on any like real information we have about this exact event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I can speak confidently on one thing, I feel like it might be this. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. We always say Three is a trend. In the immortal words of John Fairchild, you see it three places and you can call it a trend. But here we've actually seen it now five places, and that's mail polish. You heard that right. M-A-L-E polish. Basically, celebrity guys are trying to make men's nail polish a thing as opposed to like nail polish that you can buy 
that's not for men. They can't wear clam bake by Essie. <laughs> right. I mean, to me, it's almost like as offensive as like, like the pens whole, for girls like, by Bic. You know what I mean? thing and product design is very funny <laughs> to me. Like the fact that if I want to paint my nails blue, I can't buy Essie. Like, no, you have to buy Tyler, the creator's new <laughs> golf lay It's probably called death match or something. Oh, Geneva Blue, Georgia Peach, and Glitter. I mean, honestly, he could actually take a few lessons from Essie Weingarten herself with those names. The bottles themselves look like teeth. Oh, no, it's a flower, but it looks like a tooth. But anyway, so it was Tyler, the creator. Machine Gun Kelly launched his own. I don't even remember what it's called, but it was like black nail polish. Harry Styles. Harry Styles has it in his pleasing collection. Lil Yachty, which we reported on, he founded a nail polish brand and then he left the brand within a few months, <laughs> but it still exists. And then you sent me this, Annie. Third Eye Blind. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You heard that right. Third Eye Blind, the musicians launched a nail polish and the proceeds benefit some LGBTQIA plus organization. Oh my God. They sing Semi Charmed Kind of Life. Yeah, and Jumper. Wait, remind me. Wish you would step back from, from that, that ledge, ledge, my friend. friend. When I read that headline that they had launched that, I was like, isn't Jumper about like a gay person who commits suicide? Maybe that's this is their like that's what I think, really delayed I PR efforts to try yeah, to say like, yeah. wait, we're doing something know. good here. Anyway, like I just think men have the confidence to buy nail polish regardless of what it's called do they know they can go into like any cvs like any store and find like colorful nail polish they can probably find the exact color that they would be into if they just like stepped into their nearest rite aid oh this is literally why i launched necessary this kind of branding makes me insane what are you looking at this is machine gun kelly's nail polish brand it's called Undone lacquer, L A Q R. But they're like, you know, because nail polish sounds like for girls. Gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it says, don't huff the paint. You know what's masculine is like Huffing being like, paint. yeah, nail polish can, <laughs> that's, that's masculine. That's can get you fucking high. And then I bet like the colors are going to be named the most amazingly stupid things. Oh, okay. We can't find this out. I'm looking right now. Oh, okay. Okay. Orion, Nebula. Cosmos. Yeah, they typed in like star to related oh my word God. generator. <laughs> Bad tendencies, depressionist, writer's block, <laughs> <laughs> vertigo. Oh man, like I'm getting fucking vertigo from huffing so much paint. That just it makes me think of Liza Minnelli's character in Arrested Development. <laughs> 25 to life because this nail polish is so good, it should be illegal. <laughs> Um, I, I literally just made up that. So if they use that, then I deserve some credit. Slippery when wet, because that's a double entendre. Never done. Look, party favor. Mary Jane, because How Mary Jane's also. How many does he have? Marijuana. Get it? Bad dream. Underground. Too many. He's doing too much. Oh my God. There's so many. And is this a collaboration One's or this is just his therapy own Therapy sessions. No, this is his own brand. I don't know about this one. Why can't people just be good at what they're good at? Like, why can't singers just stick to music? Like, you don't see Quincy Jones out there, like, <laughs> dropping nail polish. I am going to take all this back because I appreciate creativity. And, like, who am I to be mean about someone's creativity? You're a beauty industry commentator. I guess it feels, con I feel condescended to. This is their manifesto on 
Undone Lacquer, which is nail polish for boys. <laughs> it's actually what this reminds me of is remember the SNL skit Wishing Well for Sensitive Boys? No. It's like a Fisher Price wishing well that basically <laughs> if you're like a like a sad boy, you can like go sit next to. Look it up on YouTube, <laughs> SNL, Wishing Wells for Sensitive Boys. But it's like, just it makes fun of the idea that like something can be for boys or girls. Mm-hmm. But Undone Lacquer's manifesto is you may wear black even when you're happy. Details matter, but perfection doesn't. Don't be precious. Chip the paint. Start with a base coat. Set your intention. Reinvent yourself over and over. You don't have to be the same person you were yesterday. Here's my thing, what I'm just thinking about Machine Gun Kelly, is that he feels like a step backwards. Or is that where we are as, like, men and as a society, that, like, that brand of, like, angst and, like, I stick my tongue out and, like, won't you step back from that lit, like, that whole thing. I thought we were, like, we're moving beyond that into, like, the Lil Nas X era. I think we give famous people way too much credit for being, like, cultural like savants <laughs> yeah i just like i'm not into mgk i think we have enough nail polish i think we have enough i think we've made all the colors we've come up with all the clever names it's done and if you're gonna launch nail polish really who should be launching it is the people who could think of the best names that should be the like qualification to launch nail polish because that is the only difference the names yeah moving on and this was something i guess now is like really old news but some people asked us to talk about which is the advent calendar debacle heard around the world which was chanel released an 800 dollars advent calendar for the holiday season and was basically single-handedly taken down by a single tiktok and tiktoker who bought the advent calendar and opened each of the little boxes only to reveal such high value items as a dust bag and like you know like pencil shave it was just basically like nothing it was a bunch of crap which is like disappointing because as you know as like a chanel consumer you buy a lipstick and it part of the joy of buying a luxury product is it comes in the dust bag and it has all the extra bells and whistles to the packaging so the complaint was that this advent calendar was basically the packaging bells and whistles without the stuff inside of it i know but like you and i both know that supply chain issues are a mother right now And maybe Chanel just was like in their factory and they just looked around and like looked down and they're like, fuck, what do we have? And they're like, okay, well, there's like an entire box of dust bags right there. Yeah, they were like accidentally made slightly the wrong size and they'd just been sitting there and they're like, wait, we can reduce reuse. (laughs) Yes. And like maybe we'll seem eco. But I always thought that about these like advent calendars and not just Chanel, but I've seen these other ones. Like I've seen the influencers unpack them and they're like, oh, I got a Louis Vuitton ornament. And it's like cardstock that they had to put together (laughs) themselves. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what people expect in advent calendars. It's like, that's my issue with Hanukkah too. It's like the fact that it's eight days long, which I know was because of like the miracle of light, but eight days, like you just get the present, the quality of the presents in total in some is worse because you have to get eight of them. So like they're all just smaller Mm. versus like the genius of Christmas was that it's just one day. So just like you can get one big thing. Hanukkah, I feel like, is sort of like a dust bag holiday. Oh, no, don't say way. that. I know, I'm going to get canceled. I don't agree with that. No, I mean, Hanukkah is not an important Jewish holiday, but... It's not? Okay, because I was like hanging out with my Jewish friend, and it was like the first day of Hanukkah, and I felt bad that he was hanging out with me because I felt like he should have been with his family. And so I was like, I brought him a gift. 
<laughs> it's like happy Hanukkah. No, it's not like you need to like observe Hanukkah. But all of which is to say, I think that if you have an advent calendar, like which is a countdown to Christmas, there's just so many days of presents. Like, what do you like? I mean, like if I was Chanel, I'd be like, we did that like cool cap for that thing one time. Just throw the cap in. <laughs> we have we have a whole box of extra caps. But at the same time, I also thought it was funny and also speaks to the power of social media, which seems to be a theme in this episode, that Chanel's like president responded to the controversy. No way, really? I miss yeah. that. Can you imagine like your limited edition holiday item was so bad that the president of the company had to yes. <laughs> Oh my God, if you're in product development or product marketing <laughs> at Chanel, you'd be like, oh my God. biggest fear. <laughs> This is in Women's Wear Daily. Bruno Pavlovsky, president of fashion and president of Chanel SAS, basically starts, this controversy is a bit of a shame because it was not what Chanel intended. Chanel thought it would please, I like how they talk about themselves in the third person. Chanel thought it would please some of its customers by offering this type of product. Evidently, we see that you have to be careful and therefore in future, we will certainly be much more cautious. <laughs> Just the fact that the president of Chanel had to release a statement about like- But that's not really- like. In a- Paul? No, he said that Chanel realizes that Chanel needs to be more careful and Chanel will be more careful in the future and thoughtful. Mm, okay, sure. Eyewitness Beauty also, I want to start talking about, we should, just, instead of we, What if we, we release start- an advent calendar now because it was delayed because <laughs> of supply chain issues? Oh my God. Well, we should start working on an advent calendar. Should we? It's exclusively dust bags from all the free products that we sometimes oh, get. Oh, that's such a good idea. And it's like, you don't know which dust bag you'll get. Maybe we should just do an Eyewitness Beauty dust bag. Nothing inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too small to fit anything Anything really of value. Useful. <laughs> The only thing it's you can good put for like a is, gold bangle. No, when you like go into a different country and you end up with five coins that you like can't use. <laughs> <laughs> it's for your like three euro. And you're like, I'm and gonna like, take this next time I go to Europe, and you like leave yep, it in a jar. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're like, no, next time I go to Mexico, I'm gonna bring these and I'm gonna I'm leave go- it in the drawer by the door. And when I leave, go out you the can't door, throw with away my money. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Anyway, speaking of throwing away money, I think that this episode, I think we killed it. (laughs) You think we threw away money on this episode? No, we've said this. This is our triumphant return. Yeah, this is our triumphant return. This project, this podcast makes my heart sing. Speaking of which, um, Patreon subscribers. Hold on. We didn't do product of the week, so don't go into the closing credits. No, no, fine. But we just need to say to Patreon subscribers, we see you. We appreciate you we acknowledge chanel acknowledges that chanel has not been as active on the patreon platform as chanel promised to be and chanel hasn't sent out the newsletters with exclusive content that chanel said it would but chanel is going to work on chanel honestly both of the chanel's here had (laughs) kind of a crazy holiday that yes. we may never be able to talk about openly. Yeah. And I had to like escape to Mexico and I couldn't work on the newsletter. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was like literally alone with the baby for 10 days. And launching a brand. Right. And launching another company. Chanel is sorry. But. No, no, Chanel, no, no. We're not sorry. No, we no. Are, no. What did he say? We're careful. <laughs> we're going to be careful going forward. <laughs> Chanel acknowledges that. We have to be careful, and in the future, we will definitely be more cautious. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, but all of which is to say, thank you for supporting our Patreon. You're still making this podcast happen, so we appreciate it, and we will start to get the newsletter activity going mm-hmm. on the platform. Mm-hmm. It's time for product of the week. Let's do it. To be totally honest, I don't even know where to start. Like, I have become obsessed with so many things. I Well, let's do more than one. I have a serious, like, shopping addiction. Let's go. Oh, jeez. I have one. I have a procedure of the week. Okay, go. Well, I got two procedures that I did not give consent for. (laughs) One, I got cavities filled. I've never had a cavity before in my life. And I had one on either side on the same tooth. Mm. Are you not brushing your teeth? No, um, I've been told I have very tight teeth. They're like really big and really close together. So it's really hard to floss in between. And I don't floss, but it would be hard if I did. Yeah. And I still won't floss because now I learned that they can just laser away plaque like once a year. Oh. So if you think I'm going to floss after they told me that, there's no way. No. I'm sorry. That's the worst PR that flossing has ever gotten. Yeah. They were like, oh, because you didn't floss, we're going to have to like laser it away now. And I'm like. Yeah. We'll have to take care of it in one minute yeah. once a year. Is it going to hurt? No, you won't feel a thing. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like flossing fucking hurts. Anyway, so that would be my procedure of the week. And then I also got cupping, which I, again, I did not consent to. <laughs> I went in for a massage. Oh, yeah. And next thing you know, they're like suctioning my back. And it hurt. But at least you could, like, get those, like, you have those cool, like, things on your back. I've been, like, in Pilates class. It's freezing in there. And I'm, like, in my sports bra trying to show off my cupping marks. Product of the week, back to Chanel. No need to apologize for their, they have this bomb stick, this highlighting stick, which I've actually moved on from highlighters. I think the highlighting craze has come and gone. But I did, just out of curiosity, get their sculpting bomb essential, which is... It's like a new shade. It's a sheer satiny champagne beige shade. And it is the perfect formula for a dewy highlight. Mm. You don't see the shimmer. It's just really good. It's really, really, really good. It honestly like converted me back to like being a highlighter girl again. And I haven't worn highlighter in years. So there's that. Wow. Okay. I would say it's like the Medina stick. The fabled Pat McGrath Medina stick. Ooh. So give us a little bit of back. Like that, I mean, I guess those who know, real ones know. Real ones know, a.k.a. Alexis Page. The Medina stick was like Pat's highlighter of choice. And I guess it's from this like small Italian brand. You can only get it in Italy and people would try to find it online. It'd be really hard to find. I haven't looked in um, a minute, so I don't know if it's, I don't even know if the company is still around. Pat has her own makeup line now, so she probably uses her own highlighter now. But the Medina stick was the like proto dewy highlight Oft imitated, never duplicated. It was kind of her signature, right? It was like the thing that was on every makeup table for every show that she would do, that she would use as a base. Yeah, like the Jean-Paul Gaultier shows where like the models had that like really weird, like ethereal glow on their Cupid's bow. And like that was the Medina stick. Okay, here's mine. And this, I might be a total basic B for saying this, but I spent a lot of time on TikTok. I can like... Instead of watching TV, I'll watch TikTok for an hour. And everyone is talking about Maison Francis, Kirk Dijon. The candle company. Fragrance company. Fragrance, Baccarat fragrance company. Rouge, which is one of the fragrances in his collection. And it's become a viral thing on TikTok. Why, it's like it, one of the why most... Why has it suddenly become a viral thing? Because it's not new, right? I don't know. It's not new, but this these things just happen. And it's like the most expensive, like it, it, it. 
is just like a thing. And like the smallest container of it, which is 70 ml is $325. It goes up to like $845 for 200 ml. Well, what are the TikTokers saying about it? They're just like, it's amazing. It's masculine. It's feminine. It's ambery. It's saffrony. It's like just the most amazing scent. You have to try it. Like now I get targeted on TikTok with all these dupe Baccarat Rouge ads. There's all these brands that are now trying to come out with the designer imposter version. But of course I bought the real thing. And I can tell you, if you like like a heady, highly aromatic, ambery, saffrony, cozy, creamy vibe. So it's like a warmer fragrance? Yes, okay. but it's, uh, I like, um, I love it. Mm. And Casey loves it. We like both pour it on really? every morning. I mean, it's, it's, there's a basicness to it in that it's like Santal 33, which is iconic, but also. It's so iconic that it's come back around to being passe. basic. Yeah, right. But it also just, there's something that undeniably smells delicious about it. That's mm -hmm. Baccarat Rouge, but kicked up a notch and I'm obsessed with it. Is it worth $325? Is it $325 that I even have? No, but. If you're in the market for a fragrance, like it's incredible and it's a great like winter. It's just cozy. It's creamy. Uh, and I might not even be using the right words to describe it, the right sort of like fragrance terminology, but it's just like it's intimate. It goes down smooth. It goes down really, really smooth. Maison Francis, Cœur de Jean, Baccarat Rouge, 540. Nice. Anything else? What else have you bought? <sighs> I mean, so many things, but I, I'll let's save them. We'll save them. I feel like that's enough. I feel like we did it. Eyewitness Beauty is produced by Jessamine Molly of Seaplane Armada. Our theme music is by Danny Presant, and our album cover art is by Simon Abronowitz. Rate, review, and subscribe us. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Eyewitness Beauty, and you can email us at hi at eyewitnessbeauty.com. Sign up for our Patreon. Yep. You can sign up for our Patreon. You can support the show that way. That's probably the best way to support the show. Yeah. Money. Money. Because every single dollar we get on Patreon goes, once we figure out actually how to like take the money have, out yeah, of Patreon. Yeah, we have a bank account yet. <laughs> sitting there. That will all go into the production of the show. Neither one of us will see a single one of these dollars, we swear. And that you can, you can take to the bank and deposit it. But don't, don't do that. Just send it to our Patreon. Yes. Well, thank you, Nick. It's so good to see you. Thank you. It's, I missed you. I missed this. I missed... Yeah, me too. Chanel. Um, can't wait to get my package of a uh, home court. Oh, um, we're sold out. I told you. 